If you'd like to follow this morning in the Word of God, I'm going to Psalm chapter 63 and uh, our time together in the Word. Wow, every day the news changes, doesn't it? And uh, so we're, we're, we're in pretty uh, different days here, and I just I take solace in the fact that even though it changes, and yeah, there's uncertainty, how many of you know that God, and you're glad that God knows all about it? And uh, I think, it, I just praise God that he, let nothing takes him by surprise. And we have an assignment, and I want to talk some about that today. Um, I want to begin with the testimony of a man, uh, it's been uh, several years ago, simplistic testimony, but think about it and let it, let it set us on a pattern today. I, I constantly today am approached with many people, Pastor, what do we do in these days? I, I spent all day Friday at our district council up in Owasso and uh, of course hundreds and hundreds of ministers and pastors and we get to stand and talk and, and get to visit some and the fellowship is awesome. How many of you know that sometimes hearing from other people can really encourage you? And uh, and so I really just, I, I needed the feedback, if you will. Uh, and have you, ever, have you ever scratched an elbow or a knee? How many have? I probably should say how many haven't. Uh, when you get a, a scratched elbow or a knee, does it kind of comfort you when you see somebody else with a scratched elbow or a knee? Oh, it happened to you too, so I don't know. Okay. A man gave me a testimony with something like this, and let me preface it by saying the older I get, the more days I'm here, the more I understand the importance of perspective. And I will tell you this to all of you who are young, your perspective will change many times as you pass through the years. How many of the adults, how many past 50 will say amen? It'll change. But several years ago, a friend came to me and he said, Pastor, I, 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 this is an odd thing to say, but he said, I had cancer, as you know, and I've been able to get over it. I look back now, and that's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. He said, it's happened that turned out good because it stopped me in the race of life. And it caused me to reevaluate everything. Isn't it sad, ladies and gentlemen, many times that it takes tragedy for us to find out what is real and genuine? And he said, it stopped me out of the race of life, caused me to reevaluate. And he said, starting with relationships, my family, my friends, but especially God. I'm not sure that pattern isn't very, very common to humanity. At times, ladies and gentlemen, these, I call them, emotional earthquakes hit our lives. And they break down our defenses, temporal things, and open us up to the Lord, eternal things. And in that experience, we find a deeper inner emptiness and a longing for God. And I pray that's where America is today. 
we get a, an inner emptiness and a great longing for God and a desire to be close to Him. The second part of that good news is this, when we have that longing and when we have that emptiness, when we seek God, there is a soul, spirit, body satisfaction that you can know from no other. It is physical. How many of you know you can feel the presence of God? It is spirit. You can feel Him in your spirit. It is soulless. You, you can understand it. You, you, it's just something all the parts of us know. Psalm 53 is a witness to that. The author is David. I want you to travel with me, with him. And I want you to listen to his plea. I will be in Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. If he had just said you are God, it would be true. But how many of you know also the same shepherd said... When he wrote the 23rd Psalm, that he was his shepherd. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than, my, than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. How many of you know we need joyful lips today? <laughs> Verse 6. When I remember you on my bed, David is saying, not only during the day and the other hours, but Lord, when, when, I'm, when I'm meditating and when I'm near slumber, I, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. He knew that God's promises were true. Verse 8, my soul, watch this word, close. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Watch it change essence here. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go down into the lower parts of the earth. What a reverse direction of thought and prayer. Shall go down into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. I want you to know there is great seeking God. There is great satisfaction. And ladies and gentlemen, there is great justice in what David received from the Lord. Father, be with us today as we walk through your word. Let this place be filled with your presence, but Lord, also those who are listening at this live stream. I ask you to be glorified in the name of our Christ. Let everybody say amen. Each of us has an image, an idea of what, or an image or an idea about what life is at its best. I think we say, if I had everything like this, life would be at its best. 
And of course, all that depends on our background and our experiences. We plan, we anticipate events with expectations. And many of those work out. But how many of you know sometimes life doesn't turn out the way we dreamed? It just doesn't. David is writing the psalm. He is king. He has been anointed to be the king. He found himself in Psalm 63 in less than expected situation. In this writing, he is not in the palace. He is not donned with the crown. He is not feasting in sumptuous king-style banquet table. He is not being catered to. He is not signing laws into power. He is not wielding the scepter. He is not leading charge the military in war. None of those expected routines, none of those special kingly privileges were here, his at this time. The truth is at present in writing Psalm 63, David the king is presently a fugitive. And in the worst possible way, David's own son, Solomon, is leading a rebellion against his dad, Absalom. Absalom was seeking to overthrow David's throne and occupy dad's kingship himself. David's counselors had defected and were now counseling his son in this coup to take over the kingdom. David's heart is broken in one of the most painful ways it can know. With, can I say, in the Judean wilderness, he's, he's got scrub brushes for scenery. He has caves for his shelter. But none of that takes away a broken heart. And here he is. He writes Psalm 63. This morning, how can you and I... I want to ask this question this morning. When we find ourselves in a wilderness... How can you and I keep the wilderness out of our heart? Because I want to tell you, you get on the internet and there are hundreds and multiply thousands of concepts and prophecies and all kinds of things speaking toward this day. And I think some of them are probably good. I would be of scripture though, let us try those spirits before we swallow it all. Be sure and Put it according to the word. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no perfection in this world. I think I heard my wife say amen. That really hurt. <laughs> we, get, we get disappointed sometimes, and sometimes in a negative situation, how many of you know that disappointments can be multiplied and abound till it dominates your thoughts? I find myself disappointed in myself. 
I find myself sometimes disappointed in my surroundings, things that happen that I can't stop, I can't change. I, 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 I experience such major frustration. At times I'm disappointed in others. They don't love me like my mama. And they're just wrong. Aren't they? <laughs> I have to say that and you sit there smugly and don't have to admit it, but there you go. I sometimes get disappointed in how things turn out. I want to tell you kind of a funny story that I heard. Uh, and so just follow me with it. Just to show you about perfection. A perfect man married a perfect woman. They had a perfect romance, a perfect wedding, and were living a perfect life. One day late in December, traveling down a road, they saw an old man seeking help. When they stopped, they found out it was Santa Claus with a broken sleigh. And being the perfect couple and wanting to be sure that all the perfect children received a Christmas present, they said to the broken down sleigh driver, Santa Claus, we will take you everywhere you need to go. And the three took off. But clouds began to gather and lower and it began to snow and in a blizzard they couldn't see. They ran off the road. Only one survived. You know who it was? The woman. Because the other two don't exist. <laughs> if you didn't get that, see me after church. After church, I'm going to kiss you for not saying amen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is there's not much in this world that we can call perfect. And David is in a very tough, some really deep waters, a very stringent, imperfect situation. One of the things that I've been wrestling with within myself, and about three or four years ago on a Wednesday night I preached a message, and I, I realize it's only been three years or something, but I've, I've been thinking about, because few heard it in the sense of numbers, I thought about bringing it to the pulpit, but I've been trying to understand what should be in my spirit. I, I'm, I'm having to guard my spirit against all that onslaughts my soul and my spirit today. How many of you understand? And I can just be overwhelmed. How do I keep my spirit? Because, listen, your body's one thing when it's ill. Your soul's one thing but it's ill. But your spirit is your doctor. And what do you do when the doctor's sick? It's important. How do I maintain a Christian mind and a, and a Christian example? I want to say it again, ladies and gentlemen, in the midst of a wilderness that we're in today, how do we keep the wilderness out of our hearts? And I want to share with you the answer to that question. It's very simple, but don't miss it. We must choose to keep our spirit. And we must choose to keep it by the power of the Spirit of God and His Word. 
Don't, don't miss the first thing, one of the first things David said. He said, early will I seek you. Listen, don't get up in the morning and run to the television and hear the noise of the world and all that, that onslaughts us like that until you've had a conversation with the Lord first. Notice that as David did, he made the choice before this wilderness. He was in relationship with God, even anointed even anointed to be king. But I want to just ask some questions. I have five answers quickly this morning. What did David have when he sought God? What did we get when we seek God? What do you who aren't Christians and you don't believe in God, let me tell you something about what you receive when you seek God. I'm not talking about all the familiar things like total salvation, the atonement, I'm one with Christ, my sin debt paid, my name recorded in the Lamb's book of life, the keeping power of the Spirit of God, His mercy and His grace and His sustenance and all the things come with salvation. I'm talking about being in relationship with God and in a horrible situation, guarding my spirit and what David did and what he had when he sought God. Number one, he had God's absolute, unfailing, unquestionable, agape love. Even, hear me, when he didn't even have it from his own son. Verse 3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, My lips will praise you. You know what genuine twice-born men and women and young people who get hit with a major wilderness in their life or a storm, you know what they do when they lose loved ones? You know what they do when life is so disappointing and overwhelming? You know what they do? Can I tell you? They praise their way to victory because they may have lost everything, but one thing they know, they have not lost the love of an eternal God. And when nobody else loves you, even in the family, i got news for you. If your name's recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're in the eternal family, and the author of that salvation loves you unconditionally. Absalom, his own flesh and blood, had turned against him. I want to declare that every parent should be entitled to an undying love from their children. Now, if you've been abused and all those things go in there, listen, there's always things about the spirit realm, ladies and gentlemen. But I want to tell you, if you have godly parents, they're imperfect and they're going to make decisions. You don't like young people, but I want to tell you something. You ought to love them and you ought to honor them. And then when you get out on your own, you can make your own decisions. And let me just give you a little hint. About ten years after you've been married and been on your own, you're going to just be amazed at how, what God has taught your parents the last ten years. Did you get that? Good. Here it is. But this wilderness is greater Absalom not only is against him, he's after his father's life. 
Absalom seeks to kill his dad. Pride, greed, a thirst for power, sound familiar anywhere? Has entered Absalom's soul and his spirit. It's in the innermost being. That's why the word says, guard your heart. David is being hunted. Let me remind you, David's been hunted before. When he was young, he was hunted by a lion and a bear. He was threatened by a giant. And then Saul the king himself, whom someday after the storm, David himself will replace. The king of all people who should know more and understand and see things in the spirit realm, chosen by the people, chosen by God to lead this nation, and yet in his humanity, he allows the same green-eyed monster of jealousy to totally eat him up to where he turns from the very person that God has appointed. The king is jealous, and he hunts David. But even that didn't wound David nearly as much as this heartache of his own son. I want you to see in these words, David made a choice to look to God. And David said, I still have, if I've lost it all, the one thing I have is the fact that I know that I know that I know my Creator loves me. Secondly, he had contentment. Look at verse 5 and 6. How many of you know how important contentment is? My soul, my inner being shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness, the the blessings of the Lord. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed. I meditate on you in the night watches. David had contentment. Lord, I will, let me just paraphrase what he's saying. Lord, I will not dwell on my miserable condition. How many of you know Satan likes to dominate our thoughts? I will not dwell on my miserable condition. I will keep my mind not on these circumstances. Lord, I will think about you because you're the only thing that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Notice David didn't ask for deliverance. He didn't ask for the crown and the scepter and the palace and people to bow or anything that would try to stroke his ego or or help him in a sense of, of being the king. David asked only for the presence of God to accompany him. I want to tell you something. Young people, mom and dad, there comes times when everybody has places where they have to walk alone. There is a loneliness and a loneliness that all of us have to travel sometime. But just understand this. When you are totally alone, you are not alone. He didn't ask for that. Just presence of God. Watch this, catch this message today because pastor's preaching this to himself right now. 
David did not constantly dwell on the injustice of what was going on about him. The injustice he was suffering. He didn't dwell on the losses that he experienced. And let's not forget, this is the man who has been chosen by God, already anointed to be the king. I just want to declare to you sometimes, when the scripture says that you and I are kings and priests, and we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, sometimes Satan will make that difficult for us to experience or feel. Question is this, question is this, what is it, you choose to dwell on when your life falls apart. Because that answer is very important. What do you choose to dwell on? What do you focus your thoughts on in the middle of one storm of life? David required only the presence of God. And I want you to know that I've been on this terrestrial ball long enough to know that the presence of God is enough. I'm telling those of you who are without God, those of you who don't have a relationship with God, this world that doesn't admonish God, you have no idea how much enough He is. Number three. He had protection. Look at 7 and 8. Because you have been my help, therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Lord, David is saying here that God... I remember many times has helped me. Let's go back again. A bear, a lion, a giant, a king, even an army if you want to add one. Came to destroy him, but he's saying God has sustained me. Now, in another wilderness. I want you to know that King James Version says, I will follow hard. The New King James says, close. I will follow hard or close after you because I know who upholds me, your right hand. That word hard in the King James Version in the, in the uh, uh, Hebrew is dabak. It means actually to cling or to adhere. Not by any means being able to be loosened from. Mom and dad, young people, what genuine reality are you trusting in today? I want to ask this world on the internet, what genuine reality are you trusting in today? On what are you putting your entire life and any eternal hope? Because we all have an eternal hope built into us. It's the God part. The scripture says God has built that longing for God inside of us. Are you glued to computers? Is your whole life about a cell phone? 
about an iPad? Is your whole life built around just pleasure or comforts or sports? I'd like to say something there. It's just personal, okay? You can do what you want. I'm not watching pro sports anymore. If you desecrate our flag and our national anthem, you won't get my vote at all. I won't do it. Not that I'm anybody, but I don't want... I, I, I think we have to finally draw the line somewhere. Don't you love football? Absolutely. I played it. I love it. Never mind. Are you following those things? Is it fad? Fashion? Is it greed? Is it power? Is it a career? Is it material things? And maybe, listen, a lot of these all have their place, but I want to declare to you they are not primary. I can tell you these things will not comfort you and sustain you in a wilderness. David says, God, your right hand, your authority, your power, your omnipotence, your spirit upholds me, and I trust in you, and I trust only you. He had that kind of protection. Number what, four? Listen to this one. David had the assurance of justice. Verses 9 through 11. But those who seek my life to destroy it. I want you to hear this in light of where we are in our world today. Those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Let everyone who swears by him, or everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. I want you to understand, man can try to change this thing called justice. He can try to change this thing called a constitution or laws or civic rule. Call it anything you want. But you will not re- erase the fact that God will have the final word and it will be a word of absolute undefiled justice thank you God David absolutely know that God is a just God let me, let me share something with you about a wilderness Part of the wilderness problem lying within it is this problem of remembering. How many have been in this room on the internet? How many have ever been wounded? I doubt if there's probably any of us that lived any length of time been wounded. I'm talking about heart wound, emotional wound, spirit wound, soulish wound. Here's one of the problems with being in a wilderness. Those things come back roaring. This is how Satan tries to dominate our thinking all the time. David remembers. We remember. He's remembering all the lies that have been told about him. All the things that have been said about him. He's remembering all the slanderous words and those that in a sense threatened him or spit in his face or stood against him and absolutely tried to demoralize him. He says this, 
God, you know all the lies. God, I realize that I can't help what people think and I can't help what they're believing about me. But God, I want you to catch this release. Lord, I can leave my case in your hands. And you will recompense all these deeds because you are a just, final word, no question, just God. Ladies and gentlemen, when I see evil today all over this planet, if I dwell on that, I'm headed for a bunker, And I can't keep everybody, so don't come. (laughs) I mean, this world is in a wrangle, a quagmire of evil. It's an onslaught of the enemy. When I see all that today, I have to just stop and say, Lord, I know that you're the one who has the authority. You're the one who has the power. You're the one who has the last word. And you're the one I take assurance in the fact that you are a just God. And the reason I can rejoice in that so greatly is because the blood of Christ has covered the part that I would be judged for. But ladies and gentlemen, I've been declared righteous in the high court of heaven. I'm not afraid of the justice of God because of Christ. That's enough reason right there to live for the Lord. Absolutely. The last thing is this. God's glory and power... You say, Pastor, what is that? It's how God manifests himself in the natural realm and in the spirit realm. David had this. It's back up at verse 2. Before I read it, I want to share this with you. Please don't miss this. In the midst of all this, God's glory that would not leave him in his heart and his mind... God's glory and power filled David's vision. I want you, ladies and gentlemen, in this time of uncertainty to keep your mind filled with the vision of the fact that God is God. Will you say it with me? God is God. Will you turn to your neighbor or your maid or somebody and say, let's remember God is God. God is God. And the songwriter says, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I may feel like I've lost everything, but you'll never lose me because I'm God and I love you. It filled his vision. Secondly, it guided his perspective. How many of you are glad that Pastor Brooks is not God? You better be. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not. Sometime I'd like to be. N- not really, but it filled his vision. It guided his perspective. And the last thing it did, it kept his focus in the right place. So I want to say to us in 2020, in this world situation, 
I want us to join David in his prayer. It's in verse 2. So I want you to look at it, and I'm going to paraphrase the way I wanted to write it, that what David spoke and what it says to me in 2020 in this wilderness, this experience we're in. I want to have the leeway to say what David said, but make it apropos to us. Lord, I'm in the wilderness. But I've decided I'm going to worship you here in the wilderness. Just as I would if I were in your sanctuary. Lord, I miss church. I miss fellowship with my fellow believers. Those who I worship with and love dearly and love sharing that like precious faith. But Lord, I will seek an audience with you that I might witness personal, your personal power and your personal glory. Amen. Out of, or one of the tendencies of our fallen nature ladies and gentlemen, is we do not appreciate what we have till we lose it. I fear our world, and especially our country, I fear we're gradually losing the freedoms to worship. And if somehow their way in this nation and across the world, it will erode until they want to put the Christian in a place where they cannot worship. Whether you know it or not, the church is the only thing standing between this world and the Antichrist. But someday God's going to take us out of here. So, in the meantime, let us not take God's house for granted. Let us not take the value of each other's fellowship for granted. I wish I had a list of all the names. I couldn't do it. But everyone that belongs to this church that I wish could be here, I'd love to look on that television and go into your living room or wherever, on your phone, traveling down the road, wherever you're watching service today, and I'd like to call your name and tell you that I wish you were here with us. I miss you. Let's not take for granted our mates. Let's not take for granted our children. Let's not take for granted our in-laws. Amen. (laughs) Let's not take for granted our parents. Let's not take for granted all the freedoms of the home of the brave. Because we are the land of the free. David said, I will not take your presence for granted. Instead, Lord, I will seek you. None of us enjoy wilderness. Let me remind you, and I'm through, it is in this same wilderness, centuries later, in the Judean wilderness, that the Christ himself 
was led to be tempted and tried the same place by the same enemy. But though there also, Jesus found strength and help and power and presence and sustenance of the Father. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say something? God will not waste even a wilderness experience for us either. (laughs) And if we, like David, will determine that we're going to let God, with our own discipline, we're going to control our minds, we're going to control our emotions, and we're going to control our heart through the power of the Spirit of God, we will meet God there and we will not be afraid and without understanding of how to handle life. Amen? Because of His unfailing love and His contentment and His protection and His assurance of justice and His glory and power that will keep us focused. And I'm ending with this. Generation 2020, Christ's legacy in the body of Christ across this world. I believe God will use our witness to bring about a revival of souls in this harvest during this wilderness if you and I will do what David did and put our faith and our hope and our trust and our sustenance in God Himself. We will witness the stability and the anchor and the calmness and the power of God's Word in our living. That's what God's calling us to do. Don't be shook up. Don't be afraid. Don't let the world dominate you. Everything's all right in the Father's house. Everything's all right on planet Earth going just like He planned it. But remember, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you and I are supposed to say that. Aren't we? Stand with me. I want us to make a commitment this morning, Christ's legacy. Pastor, by the help and the grace of God and through the work of His Spirit, I will stand boldly and without fear and know that God has my life in His hands. And I will speak and I will live as an example in the worst of situations.